1: Good afternoon, and welcome to another Saturday on Woods and Water, South Carolina. It is indeed a great day in South Carolina. You hear that when you call a government office, but hey, any day you can wake up in this state, it's a good one. Um, you know, Kevin Cohen down in Columbia. You can listen to us now at 100.7 in Columbia in the Midlands. He asked me, he said, you know, when you go on the show every Saturday for a few weeks, let everybody know what this show is about. So it's just like the name says, Woods and Water. It's about the outdoors. It's about getting you out there, giving you the information you needed to go where to go, what to do, and how to do it, and uh, sometimes these shows are way more cool than other shows, and today is one of those, because today we have a, a very special guest for 16 years, over 16 years now, he's been the host of Jim Shockey's Hunting Adventures. For over six years, he's been the host of Jim Shockey's Uncharted, both of which you can see on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, he's been on the show once before with his daughter Eva, and it turned into a boys against the girls, and I think the girls won, Jim.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, they have the advantage because uh, they they can play dirty. We we have to play by the Marcus or Queensbury rule. <laughs>
1: That's exactly right. So after we had uh, Jim and Eva on with Taylor and I last time, I said, you know, I really want to get Jim on, and I I, I do appreciate you taking time to be here. I know you're this is show season. I know you weren't at ATA. You were at Dallas Safari Club, and. I imagine you're getting ready to head to SHOT Show, aren't you?
2: That's exactly what I'm doing right now, uh, just uh, preparing. I think I have four days here on Vancouver Island, and then, then I'll be catching the flight down to Vegas. Wow.
1: Uh, I think I'm going to go to SHOT next year. I think I'm going to go. I've toyed with yeah, have it for you... a few years now. I went to it one time years ago when it was in Atlanta, in the World oh, Commerce okay. Center, which which was really yeah. small. And I understand the Sands is maybe three <laughs> stories.
2: Hey. It is amazing how big that show is, and, and you know the shooting sports. It shows how healthy the shooting sports are, and of course we've got the professional side as well, the military there now, right. and it's it, it, it's a spectacle. It's worth worth uh, it's worth going to. There, just about everybody you can imagine that's remotely associated with uh, with uh, you know hunting, shooting the outdoors, they'll, they'll be there.
1: Wow. Well, I think I, I was on the plane when I left ATA coming home. I was on the plane with a friend of mine, Karen Lotto from Hunter Outdoor Communications, and we were talking about it's Never Been, and I think she yep. convinced me to go. Yeah, so
2: that's, maybe next year. Uh, it, it, Yeah, I would. I would highly recommend it. I mean, it's it's not a consumer show. It, no. It's uh, for in, it's an industry show. So, right. unfortunately, you know, you can't come in off the street, but as a uh, as a communicator, you would absolutely get a press pass.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. I'm a, commu- I'm a member of the outdoor media, and they welcome us, although they limit yep. us there.
2: Uh, yep. I
1: think 1,600, which is 1,600, that's a lot of media guys. Wow. Well,
2: it, I didn't realize that. I mean, back in the old days, it was like me and Zumbo and Wyshoon and <laughs> Judd Cooney, and that was about it. <laughs> you know, Ron Spomer was in there and a few of the other guys, Wayne Van Zoll. But, uh, yeah, yeah it, it's uh, it's definitely a lot lot bigger nowadays
1: yeah that's what i asked i asked her how long i needed it to take and she said you probably need three probably four days to do it right all
2: right yeah i think it's it's over seven miles if you walk the aisles and don't slow down so i mean if you can <laughs> and, you, and you're not going to be able to not slow down because there's so many people packing the aisles uh, so it, it would it would take four days for sure to see everything wow
1: well that's on the calendar for next year 2021 got that, Angelo. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I, like I said, you, you know, you have been for over almost thirty years, or over thirty years now. You have been a an outfitter, um, in U- in the Yukon Territory with Uncharted. You have gone to some places that are just really bizarre. <laughs> to to from from a from a guy who hunts from South Carolina, you've been to some really cool places. But before we get into all that, yeah, yeah. last time you were on, you had you had a granddaughter, Lenny, who called you Big Baba. And yep. uh, now you're up to four. So Brandon yeah, has two. Eva has two. What what kind of changes does that bring to your life?
2: Well, I mean, uh, uh, for one, my my wife Nana Weezy of 35 years. I, I don't think she knows my name anymore. So that's that's <laughs> the biggest change. Me, me, me and my dog Res are, are kind of, you know, outcasts. You know, persona non grata <laughs> around our places. <laughs> like, and, and seriously. If I was if I was to do it all over again, I'd have the grandchildren first because this is when Nana Wheezy could care less if I go hunting for 360 <laughs> days a year. You know, yeah, go ahead, whatever. Go whatever. Ahead, you know. I have I have a moose waiting for you, so that's the biggest change.
1: But I'm sure. I can only imagine grandkids. My oldest daughter just got married in May, and I'm thinking grandkids. But you got four of them. That is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it, it's awesome. I mean, three—we have three boy, you know, grandsons, and and uh, Lenny boa of course, who's who was the first one of all, right. and still is definitely the princess of the crowd. Uh, but the the—it's uh, it, amazing. I mean, that—that's really why we're here on this planet. When you when you break it right down to its essence, uh, and uh, to see, you know, the, these children that you know have our genes, and obviously. Uh, mixed up with the the other side grandparents genes and, and, you know, our our son and daughter. I mean, it's just, it it really puts perspective of the wonder of this incredible planet we live on. And, you know, the daily, you know, whatever trials and tribulations we're all facing, they they kind of become not that important. You know, the, 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 the important thing is, is, these little new, beings that are that are coming into this world and and the joy that they bring i mean when they laugh smile do anything cute which is pretty much constantly (laughs) it's um you know it it just like i said it it puts how amazing this planet really is and this one life we're given you know how important it is to the the family part of it so it's yeah it's changed it's it's made me wiser and, and of course humbler absolutely
1: well, we've got about three minutes here for the first break. Um, and I don't want to get anything too deep because we've got some deep stuff to talk about. But in reading one of the articles about you and all, there was something brought up about a bandana. Um, and just for the fun of it, tell us about the bandana. How did that? How'd you come to be wearing the bandana
2: on all your TV shows? Uh, you know, that was a fellow named Richard P. Smith. And, and by the way, before I go there, I, yeah. I was just thinking to myself – I just said that I, I'm wiser and humbler, which yes. is if you're wiser, you don't say you're humbler. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to, oh, man, what did he tell me? But, uh, but anyway, Richard P. Smith uh, was an outdoor writer for Outdoor Life, and I guided him on Vancouver Island, and and he, you know, he's a professional. Uh, I'm not sure where Richard is nowadays, but but he, you know, he was writing for the biggest magazines, and he told me that when you take photographs, you want to have some color in the photograph. And I don't know what the reason is for composition, and, and uh, yeah, you know. So that's when I said, well, a bandana would be, you know, colorful in a photograph. So it actually started like that. It wasn't so much a fashion statement or practicality. It was, it was more to make the photos, the you know, any of the hero shots, whatever photos I was in, to make them pop a little bit. Okay. And then I, I, I quickly found out that. That bandana is is super handy. I mean, if it's hot weather, you wrap it around your head, keeps the sweat out of your eyes. And for me, it keeps my hair from blowing in my eyes, which is a pain in the rear end on a windy day. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, it keeps your neck warm. A lot of people don't realize how much heat you lose to your wrists and your ankles and, and your neck. So it actually keeps my, my neck warm. It's got a practical purpose as well. And and then now it's I guess it's kind of turned into a brand. My my newest ones, I just got a whole big box full of them. They're uh, they've got Hornady lo- logo all over them. Wow! So, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm excited about uh, starting to wear those.
0: Absolutely,
1: Hornady being one of the sponsors you show.
2: That's correct. Yeah, that's a new sponsor. Uh, I've known Steve Hornady and and Jason Hornady for forever. I mean, they're the great company. You know, there's many many great companies. Sure. Uh, that in our industry it really is truly the greatest industry to be involved with and, and you know there's a lot of good companies uh, Jason and Steve I've wanted to work with them for you know long time and I, and I finally got the opportunity so they're they're a new new sponsor of our television show
1: very cool well let's uh, let's wrap up the first segment of this show with a, a little gem that you don't hear a whole lot hang on through and we'll be back with more Woods and Water on the other side my is good i'll tell your son
0: invade my home and you'll meet my gun Bang, bang 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 bang
1: Welcome back to Woods and Water South Carolina. It's not often my guests provide their own bumper music, but Jim Shockey has it when he comes on this show. He has his own bumper music. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, you know, we kind of, first segment was kind of a little introduction, just having some fun and all. And But, Jim, I mean, you have been around the hunting industry for, I mean, you're you're an icon. I mean, I saw you up on the stage at, at Dallas Safari Club with, with guys that I would say are other icons right along with you so you've been there you've seen a lot um, it, tell me a little bit about because we talk about it a lot hunting is conversation conservation hunters are conservationists talk a little bit about that and and where you've seen that from you know the, over the past thirty years how it's come to means what it means to you and what everybody else it should mean to them too.
2: Absolutely. Before I go there, I got to say I'm still kind of tickled that you had the Doobie <laughs> Brothers on at the first segment, and then you had me on until the second segment. Oh yeah, I, I, that, that's the big time. Yes, say, sir. Uh, so you, I, I, you know, I'm I'm walking around here right now, my feet are off the ground, and floating around here thinking I'm, I'm pretty hot stuff. You you have but, arrived
1: uh, in in the radio industry when you are bumper music.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's. Uh, Awesome, that's a feather in my cap. I'm pretty proud of that. Yes, sir. But, uh, you know, back to your question, you know, I think, you know, we we've had a pretty rough ride over the last, you know, I'd say 40 years, really, kind of maybe even before that. It probably started when Bambi came out in the you know the early 60s. Sure. Uh, the popular press has uh, the pendulum, you know, kept swinging and it kept swinging far, far, far away from Hunting being a uh, a pastime that was respected, and and it's you know it's really quite sad, and it's a, it's a disservice to the wildlife that, that hunters have, have worked so hard to protect and and to manage over you know the last hundred years, and I I don't know why it happened, you know what was the catalyst, um, you know some people say it was. You know, President Kennedy being assassinated. There was hunting shows on television. Then they, you know, guns kind of became a bad thing. And right. It was right around that time. And and to be fair, some of the earlier people that represented hunting, you know, Howard Roark and these guys, uh, even Hemingway, to a degree. You know, the foot on top of the animal and right. You know, the, it was there was a lot of machismo mm-hmm. involved, which unfortunately also, you know, brought in misogyny and and chauvinism. I mean, it, it was. You know, they, they kind of stereotyped us at that point, and and that wasn't really respected, uh, and nor should it have been. I mean, you know, the pendulum had to swing, and and it did, but it just went way too far away from us for the last thirty years. We, we've been struggling, getting beat up in the popular press, and and it, it, you know, it, that's not what hunters are. You know, that that you know lout that spits on the floor and has no higher sensibilities. I mean, hunters are explorers. We're you know we're conservationists, like you say, we, we love the wild animals that we hunt. And yeah, it's counterintuitive, but it, but it's it's true. And, and you know, we, we've we kind of been losing this battle so, to the point where now, you know, when you tell somebody that you're a hunter and that it's good, it's like cognitive dissonance. They don't, they, they can't compute for them because they've read so many ugly, um, you know, stereotypes about what, Hunters are and who we are. So, so I, I think you know hunters. We all know that in our our hearts and in our you know you know efforts, what we've done for conservation. I mean, billions and billions of dollars have come from hunters and and fishermen uh, to you know sustain the wildlife species of the world, whether it's fish or wildlife. You know, big game animals. We know we've done that, but we're not getting the message out there. So I, you know, I how have I seen it change? Hunters are still doing what they do, but I think we're more aware now of the importance of telling our story and and taking that narrative back from the animal rights groups that have been vilifying us and marginalizing us for so many years. So, so I, I, I see a, in the woods now, actually a, a hunter that's more acquainted with, with, the, the battle and 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 more responsible more aware that you know their actions are, are going to speak volumes especially in this new world of social media yes sir. so so I, I I'm saying, uh, um I, w- I don't want to say they're smarter hunters but I'd say they're they're more cognizant of, of um, their actions and responsibilities towards wildlife and and towards the you know the the public the non-hunting public out there so I you know I, I'm starting to see the that pendulum I think it's stopped okay. and I, I I think it's actually now about to start swinging back in our favor and and uh, you know the, the younger generation the they don't want to buy into a bunch of tubular thinking like their parents and they, they want to know the truth they're so used to you know the news nowadays being full of <laughs> lies sure that the, you know they, they just don't swallow at hook line and sinker like their parents did so I, I I'm actually yeah, I think we're going to see a, a swing back. It would be nice if the darn pendulum would stop swinging so far either side right. and, and kind of stop in the middle for a little bit so we can all
0: Catch get our breath rails. and
2: yeah. yeah, start over again. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the future will bring you know, a, a greater awareness of the positive that hunters bring to the wildlife of, of this world.
1: It's a message we try to get out. It just doesn't go very far.
2: Well, it goes to our own, you know, crowd, which sure. unfortunately, you know, but but I, I mean, radio programs like yours, you're, you're reaching right now. There's somebody out there that's a non-hunter, you know, it, and there's more than one. Maybe there's a hundred. Maybe there's a thousand. Know, I, I saw the numbers that you have listening to your program, and you know, there's 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 a percentage of them that are non-hunters that are oh, listening sure. right now. And hey, maybe I should rethink, you know, not buy into the bunk that I'm reading in the popular press and actually educate uh, myself on what hunters do the positive that they're, that their work that they're doing for wildlife
1: you know i, I don't watch outdoor tv much uh, when i was a kid growing up i watched a lot of it uh, because there was only one or two I mean, kurt Gowdy and and some of those guys uh, yep. but I, but lately uh sling tv had a had a weekend where they had the outdoor channel on and i, I got actually caught several event uh several episodes of uncharted and when you were talking about hunters and, you know, the message we're trying to get out, is, would you say that Uncharted is trying to get that message out by, with all the places you're going and, and showing people that in different parts of the country hunting means something totally different?
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, I, to me, Uncharted allows us to be ambassadors, um, you know, not only to foreign lands, but also ambassadors – you know, here in North America, to again, people that don't hunt, we get a you know, I, I get the emails and the texts and, and the social media comments, and how many people, you know, my wife doesn't hunt, but she loves the Uncharted television show. You know, we're reaching out into the non hunting public with that show, and that, that's exactly what it's about is, is that message, but, you know, coupled with some probably even more important messages like tolerance you know if this world had a little more tolerance we you know it'd be a better place and all of us can probably look that word up and just remind ourselves how important it is so so we go to these places like Somalia Pakistan Iran Azerbaijan Kyrgyzstan Kazakhstan Tajikistan I mean you you know we go to these places that you know are are supposedly filled with people that hate us and we prove that no that's not the case you know there's good people everywhere around the world, good people that believe in the same things and want the same things that we do. Sure. Even if they dress differently and their language is different, their food is different, their religions are different, their governments are obviously different and, and oftentimes their governments are are, are bullies and, and gangsters that are in positions of power because the people can't do anything about it. You know, but the people themselves aren't they're not bad. You know, and this is where the tolerance comes in and we use wildlife management and the the situation of with wildlife in those countries as i guess the 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 reason to visit there and, and you know and then learn about the cultures and the people so so that's the bigger message of course the the you know secondary message is, is uh the positive again that that hunters you know work in this world of of wildlife you know against the warriors who are, who are attacking wildlife, you know, we're there. Hunters yeah. are there right on the front lines.
1: Wherever you go, we're, we are indeed a brotherhood.
2: 100%. And and that's a natural connection that we have. And I don't care if it's kings and queens and, and paupers or, you know, someone black, white, purple, green. It doesn't matter, you know, even the language. It makes no difference. You, you know, I've been up in, with the Inuit in the Arctic and listened to an Inuit lady who who's in her 80s Sing a song in Inuit inuktuk the language, and and uh, of course I couldn't understand the words, but I will guarantee that every single hunter listening understood the meaning of that song, and and as I did, uh, you know, right there, we're, we're yeah, it's it's a you know brotherhood of brethren, it's a, a spiritual relationship that every hunter around this planet has with other hunters. Doesn't matter demographics.
1: One of the <laughs> folks, if you want to watch a good one, that is that is truly. And I can probably say this about all your hunts. I've never seen, never heard or never seen a canned one, but the one you were on, you were on some kind of sheep hunt and you had been, you're up in the mountains, it's rocky and your gun is off (laughs) and you shoot several times and it runs at you, you miss again and you're just absolutely dumbfounded as to what's going on. (laughs) And I'm like, Yeah. yeah, that is, that's reality. Sometimes it's good and sometimes
2: it's bad. Yep, and we always show it on my shows, hunting adventures. The professionals was another show we did for four years. Uh, and, and if it's you know good, bad, the ugly, we show it. It's <laughs> it's real. I'm not. I certainly don't put myself up on any kind of pedestal and say I'm never <laughs> going to show a miss, you know, because I'm super hunter guy. That's that's crap. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and if I ever pretend that I am, you come and give me a stick <laughs> in the rear end.
1: Oh oh yeah right. I'm <laughs> okay. Mark that one down. Things I'll never do: kick Jim in the butt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully I'll never deserve it. Sure. Because uh, you know, I, you know, really, truly, I've been. A, I'm a hunter, just like everybody else listening right now, or most of the listeners, and and uh, no different than any. I mean, I grew up in a trailer park, for goodness' sake. So, so believe me, my feet are solid on the ground, and uh, you know, it's it's not a. I will never ever do disservice to the responsibility and the respect that people have for. For what i've accomplished
1: and that lo- that is a very long list of accomplishments i uh, everybody i talk to knows jim shockey and and what he has done for hunting and the ambassador he's been and we sure appreciate it through both your television shows and just the things you do and in, in the hand of man this the museum you're at um hang on we're gonna take another break come back we're gonna have more with jim shockey and uh, it's all gonna be fun hang on folks
2: Dress me up, but it ain't pretty. I'll never fit in a big city. I bang 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 bang. bang, bang. I wanna be in charge of the boom. Attack my country and
1: face your doom. There won't be any. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. That is our guest Jim Shocky singing his song, which has now become part of the bumper music for this show. Um <laughs> That's pretty good. Attack my country. That's absolutely right. Um, Yeah you know, our Mister Shocky. I'm 52, and I'm still going to call you Mister Shocky because out of respect. Which it's just a Southern thing, so don't don't think it's calling you old or anything. It's just what we do down here.
2: Um, no, I, pre- I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> has there? And I asked Stephenello this question one time, and it 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 came off his lips. You know, just boom. He knew exactly where it was going. So I want to ask you. Has there been one time over thirty years of outfitting, or maybe before that, or or maybe with some of the that we talked about the stands that you've been to? Has uh, there ever been one time in your life where you looked at the situation and go, "This is the end of Jim Shockey. It's all coming to an end right here. I'm just not going to survive this one."
2: Uh, you know, I, I can honestly say that that uh, there hasn't been. Uh, it's not uh, I mean, I, I've had I've been charged by hippos many times. Elephants, uh, cape buffalo. Uh, I even had a cougar last year try and kill me. You know, and jumped out of the bush behind me, and, and I had to swing around and shoot. But there, but I, I can honestly say that in in all those situations, I I, I mean I my I don't even think my heart went up, you know, two <laughs> or three beats. It, it's just, and, and and the reason is because you if you're going to do that for a living, then y- y- you know you have to be absolutely confident in your abilities to deal with the situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you, I, I'm kind of giggling as you, as you told me that you asked Steve Vanella that I'm curious, <laughs> what, what did Steve say? Because I, I saw, him, you know, a, a, a moose come after him here uh, last year on TV. I was watching a show and, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was a pretty close call for him. But, but again, you know, from, from my side, you know, I, I yeah, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to sound arrogant, but no. I mean, I'm a professional at this. And, sure. it, and that means you know, there's people's lives that are, you know, they're depending on me, my cameraman. I mean, he's the one standing behind me with, you know, what you can do, bonk whatever it is on the head with a with a $40,000 camera. you better not. <laughs> you know, and, and if he's bonking on the head, he's not getting the footage that like he's supposed to be doing. So, you know, so in, in those kind of situations, honestly, now, you, you know, you, you just, you, you just deal with it. I mean, sure. it's not a fear. And, and the thing yeah. is. You know, so, you know, was there a moment when I thought, you know, it's over for Jim Shockey? Well, and I apologize for talking in third person here, but, uh, but, you know, absolutely not because, you know, Jim Shockey's job in that moment is to make a good shot and and finish the situation up and, and that's, you know, get rid of the danger. So, so there really wasn't any danger. I mean, it's not even a, so why, why get all excited? I mean, afterwards it's kind of exciting because you're, you're like holy cow! Did you see that? You know, like it's—you'll see my eyes, big as saucers. Go! Did you see that? But, but honestly, my heart, my heart is still going the same rate. It's just yeah. like I'm a, kind of astounded that, you know, that thing tried tried to kill me. Yeah. A, what was it thinking? And and you know, B, did you get it on camera? You know, it's it's uh, and and I guess that's arrogant because, you know, I I you know, I never really gave the animal not even not even a. So you're saying there's a chance. I mean. Right. There, there just isn't well you know, and that that's that's my so i've never considered those dangerous situations um you know I, i've certainly been extremely aware and switched on in many many situations you know hunting with my buddy mike fell in tanzania and i mean all around the world, africa we've hunted together you know there's times when you're in the bush and you can't see 10 yards and you've got right. a you know a, a pygmy forest elephant that's really upset because they hate you know the pygmies they shoot shoot them full of arrows all the time right uh, you know so so those those elephants are going to charge and squish you and you can't see it but you know it's there it knows you're there and you know it's a tense situation but it's not you know it's not any i i never honestly have thought that that that's a, a problem. Now, you know, next year you'll probably be having another. <laughs> you remember Jim Schack? He said that, and you know, now now he's got grizzly bear spit all over him and claw marks. Well, you know, so it it can happen. But but honestly, the if it ever does, it, it's um, I, I mean I I messed up. Yeah. You know, I I didn't I didn't stop early enough. I didn't uh, you know I wasn't paying enough attention. I was I was uh, too overconfident you know, hubris, whatever it okay. is, it, it, you know, that's what will be the, if that ever happens from an animal, the, um, you know, there's been all those crazy countries. I mean, Somalia, yes. we were, you know, we were hunting there for a month and we had, uh, you know, I had to use a subsonic round just so the sound of the, the, you know, the rifle fire wouldn't carry so that the bad guys wouldn't hear us. I mean, that, that kind of thing is, you know, it, it, it's, I, I suppose it's uh, dangerous, but, it but, not really I mean I don't know where you know you're it's not like I'm a soft target right. You know, Pakistan right on the border with Afghanistan uh, um, you know I mean that that's you know that, that was probably a situation where you're you know and you've got one vehicle behind us with a rocket launcher on it one in front with a with a 50 cal machine gun mounted on it and about 10 heavily armed you know Pakistani mercenaries I mean that's that's pretty serious, but but again, you know who would attack that that convoy? I yeah. mean, hopefully, hopefully there's no drone above that doesn't recognize it's me. It's me.
1: <laughs> they <laughs> but, see the red bandana.
2: Yeah, there you go, and the cowboy hat. <laughs> actually, there, there there ain't no cowboy hat when I'm in those countries. Uh, <laughs> you I'm go. I'm I'm actually dressed up like a Pashtun warrior, and surprisingly, I kind of look like one a little bit. It's, it's you, uh, strange. You would, but, you would. I yeah. Agree what, with what? That. Once I grow a beard, yeah, I do. Yeah. But no, I haven't been. You know, airplanes are probably the most dangerous part of what I do. Um, vehicles in those countries, you know, they're you're up in the middle of nowhere on roads that are you know switching back six or seven thousand feet and and you know horrible roads and right. not everybody is a good driver there. So and the vehicles are definitely garbage. So you're you know brakes go whatever. That's but but again, I've never really I've never really felt like it's. It, it, you know that I, you know, it's the end of end of me. Okay. Now, if I'm, you know, that said, if I forget to get milk today when I go home, yeah, it might be then, the and, and Nana Weezy's waiting for me. That could be the <laughs> end of me. So, so it'll probably be more like that. I, you know, I, I didn't listen to Nana Weezy on something. I so, hear you.
1: But. Interesting enough, Steve's answer was uh, they killed a a moose, and they came. They had to come out at night, and the next day when they went back in, they came in downwind of the kill site and spooked two bears that were on the kill, and the bears were oh, yeah. exactly where they were. And Steve said one of them went right by him, almost knocked him down, and hit his and and ran into his photographer. And the bear and the photographer were rolling down the hill, and the whole bunch of them thought the bear was attacking the photographer. He said he got to the bottom of the hill, and the bear kept going. <laughs> he was just oh, oh, as yeah. scared as anybody else. He said that's the only time. He said, but that was really Evan. I thought that was, you know, that was it.
2: And it yeah. was just one of those situations you know, beyond agreed. your control. Yeah, exactly, and that's—it's kind of an objective danger. On the other hand, you know, let's face it—you're walking into a a dead moose right. in bear country. That's it. So, so it's—I mean, I don't know. The bear should have been dead before it got to his cameraman. <laughs> but I'm not judging Steve. I wasn't there, but but uh I don't think any of other bear
1: was there till it came what, and what yeah, ran.
2: What I want to—what I want to know is, uh, did did the cam, cameraman continue to work for him? Because I, I know if I let my guys get mauled by a bear or run over by a bear that they would be po old at me and they, <laughs> they would probably never, they'd stop working for me right then.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: i have to ask him that next time. Is your cameraman still working for you? Um, <clears throat> let's see. Wow. we got about three minutes left in, in, in two or three minutes. Can you tell us your favorite place to be in the outdoors?
2: Ah, oh, you know that there, I've been around the world, obviously a bunch of different times, top to bottom side to side. Yeah. And I, there's some really magnificent places in this world. Now, you know, speaking geographically, because if, if you speak more symbolically, I, I'd like to be, you know, beside Eva, sure. you know, my son, sure. you know, Louise, anything to do with family. But, but if you're talking geographically, uh, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, the Yukon, uh, up in our Rogue River Outputing Territory in the Yukon, it's it's about seven and a half million acres. And there's not a single road Not a single house, just our cabins, our tent camps. And it's such pure remote wilderness. There's nothing like it in the world left anymore. The Arctic has, you know, maybe Antarctica or or I guess possibly the Arctic, but there's, you know, the Inuit are up there. Siberia is like Grand Central Station compared to the Yukon. Uh, There's so few people up there, I mean, 35,000 people in the entire, you know, Yukon territories, and and most of those live in Whitehorse. So so there just isn't any people, and it's like walking back in time, you know, just post last ice age. And and there's there's a one little knob that's at the sort of head of a valley that I have my particular camp in. If you've watched our shows, you'll you'll know the camp. That, That if you sit there at the last couple of days in September and or of August and the first week of September, when basically the Yukon goes from summer to winter, it is, I think the most unbelievably beautiful, spiritually pure place that I've, I've ever, ever been. And, And I, I truly love, you know, the Yukon, but that, that particular spot every year, I make the pilgrimage to sit on that knob and look up and down, you know, 60 miles each way. And, three miles across a flat valley and, and all the, you know, the mountain birch are changing to a crimson red at that time. The willow runs are yellow. It's it's beautiful.
1: Sitting here thinking about, mm, what would it take for me to get there? Sounds like a place I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on, uh, Jim. We're going to wrap up this segment, and we'll be back with the final segment of Woods and Water Southbound for another
2: Saturday. it you hit me bang I... bang bang
0: bang 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 bang
2: call me crazy call me wrong hate my guts and protest this song but it's not for you it's for all of us
1: welcome back to woods and water south carolina we have had uh had a fun day here so far, Mr. Jim Shockey, and I, I do appreciate him taking his time all the way from his home, which is in Pacific Time, folks. And um, but yeah, appreciate him doing this for us. Um, Jim, we're in the last segment. I, I, I do want to get to the Jim Shockey Classic, which is going to be held here in Myrtle at Wild Dunes. Uh, in uh, what is it? March, April. Uh,
2: March. March twenty second and twenty third. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, but That's I would like char- to get- Charleston. Charleston, Wild Dunes in Charleston, that's right. Um, oh, man, I, I always hate coming up with questions. Because I, I think they're all good, and I don't know which one to ask. Um, trophy hunting, its it, it goes back to what we discussed in the first segment about hunting in general, the pendulum swinging, and public perception. You know, the latest uh, report, NSF, that came out, you know, 80% of the non-hunting public support hunters who are you know they're hunting for to fill the freezer so to speak you know it's it's their pursuit it's their adventure and and people understand that and get that you put the word trophy in front of hunting and that support drops to somewhere around 20 percent and i know you have an opinion on this because i read it but i'd like for you to tell everybody else where has where well, are we going wrong with trophy hunting
2: today well i mean the term has been hijacked and and you know it's they are implying by that the the negative side of you know trophy is that a hunter which you know isn't a hunter as we know it goes and kills an animal, cuts off its head, and you know leaves the animal to rot, and the animal you know takes the head of the animal and sticks it on his wall. Right. So so there there is there is what trophy hunting by net definition has become in our popular press. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. If anybody, I mean, where you live, if you go kill an animal, cut its antlers off of it's a deer and leave the body to rot, what happens to you?
1: The game warden shows you, up at your house.
2: <laughs> exactly. You get charged. You get charged, and it's Long life. serious, yes. yeah, serious offense. It's called poaching, and and this is what the you know they've hijacked this term trophy hunting and and you know started to apply it to, to hunters when in fact it's what they really mean is poaching. So. The problem is that that eighty percent that you're you're talking about, of course you know, there's a there's a percentage of them that you know they, 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 their tubular vision doesn't allow them to see anything outside of their own ideologies. They're going to be animal rights you know they hate hunters period and that that's fair enough. Ten percent of the population hates hunting and hunters, and ten percent of the population loves hunting and hunters that's always been the same it's never going to change so of that 80 percent that are against trophy hunting of course there's a percentage of them are just against hunting period okay the rest of them are are not being asked the right question you know what you know ask them to define what they think trophy hunting is and they'll say and a guy that goes and hunts just for the meat or just for the antlers or horns you know cuts the those off and leaves the rest to rot that's how they'll answer it so when you explain to them oh no no that's that's actually poaching so, you know, what you're really, you know, the, the if you properly spin it instead of improperly is you've got 80% of the people out there are against poaching, Paging. you know, and that that's, that's what they're actually against. Now, if you said to them, you just flip that question slightly and saying, are you against, you know, selective hunting where, you know, the oldest animals beyond breeding age are taken out of the population, which generally is a good thing for the rest of the population of that wild game species and good for the habitat, good for the ecosystem. Um, are you for or against that? Uh, you know, I would dare say that the vast majority would be for it, just like the vast majority would be for hunting for meat. You now, when you explain to them that, hey, listen, if a hunter takes the meat of the animal, fills his feeder, feeds his family, feeds his friends, and also takes the antlers, you know, and, and, yeah you know, because that's part of the tradition of hunting as a memory right. which is actually the definition of what trophy is a memory of an accomplishment or or an event again you would have the vast majority saying yeah we don't have a problem with that if you you know take the meat and utilize the meat so suddenly the question was an improper question and it, and it's it's abused in the press constantly you know 80% are against trophy no they're against poaching you know 80% is against trophy and no you know they don't understand that trophy hunters are selective hunters and and I would argue you know th- there's the, the meat side of things you hunt for meat well we all hunt for meat you know i i'm looking at a wall right now with i don't know a dozen antlers uh, moose antlers okay. and and every one of those moose was eaten i mean i when i grew up if my father didn't get a moose every fall we didn't eat meat all winter we didn't go buy a cow we I didn't even know you could buy a cow until I got to high school, you know. Like I said, I grew up in a trailer park, so so moose was a very important part of our diet, and and yet my father, who was an avowed meat hunter, you know, pure meat hunter, he would always take the antlers of the moose if if it was a, a a decent moose. I mean, you know, he'd always bring those homes, and I'd love to. Hold them and see them. In fact, I I dragged them to school for show and tell when I was grade three, <laughs> one, one set of my dad's moose antlers. I, you know, they, so so you know. But yeah, he took he took the meat. Of course, that's what we wanted and that's what we lived on. But he also took the antlers, and that's what trophy hunters do. You know, and and I think it's you know we have to be very careful. Even I don't mean to preach here, but I'm no, going to. The, you know the, the we have to be careful within our own ranks that we don't. Say I only hunt for meat, and I would never hunt anything other than for meat, because that argument might get you—you know—you you, know—get you by at a, a cocktail party where where they're, you know, I don't like hunters, and the conversation rolls around you being a hunter, and you say well, I only hunt for meat, you know, great. But what you've done by that is thrown all the other hunters under the bus. That that hunt—I mean, you telling me you're driving all the way to Colorado. To get an elk i mean do the numbers does it really work out on a per pound basis mm-hmm. especially if you know you, you go three times and they'll get one don't ask my you wife know, that question <laughs> no and, and, and you're going all the way down to you know you're, you're driving down or going climb down to mexico to go after cruise deer and you're only hunting for meat give me a break it's not true and so it, it's disingenuous for us to go down that road when we're at a cocktail party and i use that figuratively i'm talking about any time we're you know, out in the public, we're we're being accosted about being hunters or or even being questioned on it, that, you know, that's a very important part of all hunting. And a very important part of what all hunters do is utilize the meat. And and because you go to Africa and you hunt plains game and you shoot six antelope and you're not bringing the meat home, doesn't mean that the meat is not utilized. In fact, I would argue that there's more meat utilized on those antelope over in Africa than there is on a you know the deer over here now there you know there's exceptions but there's nothing left I mean the rumen is taken everything's taken there's what's left is a, a tiny little pile of green stuff that's inside the stomach and even that they take part of so so it's you know so does that make that hunter evil does it make him wrong does it make them you know that quote-unquote, trophy hunter because he's not hunting for meat? No, he's still hunting for meat, the meat's utilized by the people in the village, the the tribal people in that area. And and, and also, it's, you know, a rancher. So a rancher, he should only raise one cow a year because it's for his family. So, you know, well, they say, well, of course not, he's a rancher. Well, guess what? There's hunters that hunt more than what they eat for themselves and their family. But the meat is still utilized, and there's nothing wrong with that. And the dollars that they're spending to hunt those animals is being used for to protect that species or protect the, the wildlife in that area the entire ecosystem you know if they don't then if they don't make that effort to go all the way to africa to hunt those animals that land will be turned back into cattle range goat range sheep range whatever domestic animals and it's not like we don't have enough of those animals in the world already you know there's 7 billion cows in this world you know they tie us there's 25 billion chickens You know, they're the best competitors in terms of survival of of any animal on this planet. You know, they're they're the, there are six billion horses or three billion horses, six billion goats, six billion sheep. We don't need more. We need more habitat for wildlife, and hunting does that. And pure meat hunting doesn't do that. These guys that go over there and hunt over there, yeah, they're, you know, I guess by definition, they're, you know, they're not hunting for meat like, someone who goes out in their back 40 and kills only a deer period and only kills what they eat, you know, and, but it doesn't, you know, again, it doesn't address what, what about the predators? What about coyotes right. that are, you know, killing the deer fawns, which they do oh, yes. you know, a significant impact, Yes, sir. you know, but, but someone tells me I only kill what I eat. Well, great. You're really contributing <laughs> to, to helping the wildlife that you're hunting to eat by not killing a coyote. Right. Because you don't need it. I mean right. again it's we have to be very careful on that that argument. It gets you know, it might get us by on a cocktail party and a fancy party in Hollywood or New York City or wherever we're hanging out if we're in those places. But but it really what we need to be doing is saying, Well, here, here's the truth about what you think is trophy hunting and all the meat is utilize, utilized by all hunters. Don't we, we can't divide you know, into, into groups and point fingers. Well he baits, I don't bait, so I'm better. You know, he uses dogs, I'm better. I don't use I I don't hunt predators. I would never hunt a cougar because I don't eat it, which is really truly one of the greatest big game meat animals in, in North America. You know, so so again we just have to be careful that we're not, you know, pointing fingers and then letting those, you know, s- smaller groups within the hunting community get Cut out and ostracized, so that someday, you know, when they come for us, we look around. There's nobody there to help us. That's right. Nobody there. Just you. So, so we have to be careful that the whole meat and trophy thing that we fight every single time someone tries to tell us that you know those trophy hunters are bad, then we have to stand up and say, wait a minute. Here, here's the reality. We have to, we have to fight, and we have that's a hill we have to die on. That's right. Unfortunately, it's not one that we can. You know, and anyone that says I only eat meat, you know, that's that's I only or I only eat what I I kill, we have to be very very careful on that because I don't think long term that argument is going to actually be sustainable and and uh, you know because you can't I mean, you can't tell me it's when it costs you a thousand dollars a pound for an animal <laughs> that that's what we're doing I mean yeah. give me a break you that's know and, and that again that argument is going to be shown to be fallacious at some point I don't even know if fallacious is a word but it sure sounds like one. <laughs> It sounds like a, a word that we don't want to happen to hunters. So. That's right.
1: Well, we're at the end. I, I hate that because the Jim Shockey classic, but I think we're gonna work on something of that outside this show. Mr. Jim Shockey, thank you for taking your time today to be on the show. I think everybody listening, I would venture to say, has uh, has a lot to think about. But I really appreciate it. Uh, folks, as always, take time to get out there. Make time. Not gonna pass. Take the back roads when you can. Don't forget the camera. Back next week for more Woods and Water, South Carolina.